Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new season and a brand new episode of Dealing and Healing. I am Nene. And I am Coco. And we are diving right into the month. We are in, it is May 4th, May 7th. Look at me jumping the, jumping in the month. It is <laughs> May 7th, 2021. And as some of you may know, or some of you may not know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And a topic very near and dear to you both Coco and myself, we decided that this would be our next series. So we hope that you tune in as we are going to have some dynamic guests join us like we always do and be able to discuss and talk about mental health, mental health as Black women, mental health as Black adolescents, mental health and Black men, Blackity-Black mental health, mental health, Black and Brown mental health, um, this is an important topic in our community. And I don't know, Coco, I feel like in our 40 plus years, only recently has it become a thing to start to discuss and normalize. Um, because growing up, as we have discussed previously, you can talk about much, do what I do what I tell you, do what God says, or I'll kill you and you go to hell. That's pretty much we could sum Period. it up. Period. Period. Um, so I know that we have strived and worked really hard to change that narrative and be very different from what is historically um, considered the norm in terms of addressing mental health. So let's talk a little bit about um, both of our journeys. Coco and I both um, live with mental health challenges. I don't want to say struggle with disorders, but I think... (laughs) That sounded like whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, but you know, we've got some, we've got some therapy revelations that have been, I think, helpful in in our journey. And I know for myself, one of the biggest revelations that, excuse me, recently coming to conclusion of of like being the strong black woman and holding everything down is actually not all that it's cracked up to be. And actually there are some mental health imbalances in there. So um, that I think has been uh, one of my biggest revelations. Why don't we start with um, maybe the first time we thought about and or sought mental health support if you can remember I actually can and it it's it's funny in a way I don't know if funny is the right word but my mom had me go to a Christian counselor after I had my son in high school my junior year and I think that back then Like our parents' generation and their parents' generation and back, you know, from there on, you don't, you don't tell your business what's, you don't go out and speak about what's happening in the house out with strangers, number one. And number two, can't nobody tell me how to fix me. They're not walking in my shoes. So you didn't discuss that stuff with anybody. You held it in and you bear, and it's generational trauma. And so I think her idea was, um, She's not talking to me. Let me find someone for her to talk to so she can fix this problem, not necessarily figure out what the root of the problem was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was like a doctor's appointment kind of thing. Put a bandaid on it, check the wound. It's okay. It's getting better. Let's move on. We're done. We don't need to go there anymore. And so I think she was trying to figure out why I got pregnant at 16 and what, and what pretty much what that said about her. And in that time that I, I did attend uh, this counseling, it was for, it was probably about a year that I did it. Uh, my mom and I did it together, a couple of sessions. And then I actually had um, my son's father who became, who is currently my ex-husband now. <laughs> we also went to, you know, 17 year old teenagers, you know, young teen parents, but that was my first encounter. And it was, it was a good experience. Like 
it was a good introduction to counseling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was necessarily therapy. Um, I know she did a couple of strategies that I, I realized later on in life, like, oh, those were strategies she was trying to teach me. But in saying that we are going to discuss mental health um, in brown, black and brown people, I think it's important to note that seeking any kind of counseling is well, it's, it's good. It's a good first step, but it's also important to find somebody who understands you and your culture. And so it's not a, um, the woman that I went to, she was white and Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a pity kind of thing, but also I'm going to save this young woman from herself. I didn't need to be saved. I was already saved. I needed to know what well, my mom needed to know what was wrong with me. I just mm-hmm. sex. That's what it was. I and also some daddy issues. But um that was in you know our third session I found that out. <laughs> so it was yeah. it's, there were some benefits. And that's that's a very important distinction because your first introduction sounds like it was for your mom, right? Yeah. Like it was for your mom to address some challenges she was having. Right. At, as a result of you being a teen mom. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you know that distinction then, or is that something that you reflected on later? Something I reflected on later, I think as I got older and uh, my children got older, and did things contradictory to the way that I raised them. You're trying to figure out what I did wrong or what I could have done differently. And what I learned was like, at a certain at a certain age, we don't do things um, intentionally to spite our our parents. Like my, I know my mom did not raise me to be a single mom. She she was a single mom. She did not raise me to be a teenage teenage parent. She didn't raise me to be out there hoochie momming around, and I was. Mm-hmm for love in all the wrong places but um I had to, and it was a very hard journey for me to get through but to realize that they're they're their own people they're going to make their own choices and some of them are going to have absolutely nothing to do with how they were raised or what their parents did or did not do and so I think that was her thing was like I need to know what I did wrong and it wasn't anything she did wrong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sex <laughs> sorry yeah. Um, the first time that I sought counseling, I was in college and I will never forget this because of course I always can't have a normal story. (laughs) I was feeling completely overwhelmed. And at the time I didn't have the language feeling completely overwhelmed with living on my own. Um, you know, I moved from Northern California to Southern California struggling to pass my last classes because I was working, trying out social life. And so I was like, let me access on-site school psychologists and counseling mental health services. And I will never forget, I went to go see a very well-known psychologist in our department. And this lady talked to me for about five, six minutes. And she said, girl, ain't nothing wrong with you. Oh, 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 she said, these are just components of life and you're going to be fine. And looking back, I was like, oh, okay, let me just, okay, that's good. However, learning to suck it up early on, I have reflected on if I would have received different if I would received any tools mm-hmm. and or strategies of what to do when feeling overwhelmed, like a, it's okay to not take on so much right. on your plate. That's the first step because it then became a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. Being overwhelmed became normalized right? and you just do it and get through it and continue to knock your goals down. And it became normalized all the way up until what year are we in? <laughs> 2025. Oh, oh, oh. I'm projecting. I'm projecting. <laughs> it became a lifestyle all the way up, I would say easily until 2000, 
17 maybe. And even then, and even now learning to break that down and what that looks like, right? All those years, all those decades. Um, so yeah, I definitely remember that first point of contact mm-hmm. um, and how it essentially shaped, right? Shaped your thoughts about counseling, mm-hmm. shaped your thoughts about mental health. Um, and it stayed with me for a long time. Now, of course, I made contact with therapy several times since then, but mm-hmm. you know, looking back, um, that's crazy. Was that counselor African American? Yes, she was. And she was, and upon reflection, right, too familiar culturally. So while you were saying, find the counselor that's right for you, and I definitely have sought Black women as counselors, therapists, or, you know, Black men, um, whatever is comfortable for, for everyone. But that familiarity compromised my treatment, mm-hmm. right? Because she came at me like auntie so-and-so. Right instead of a mental health specialist. Right. And, and, and could have taken the time in a few more minutes, another visit to really, even just from the perspective of being young and maybe she doesn't know this, let me just give her this little tidbit. Right. Maybe we'll get her to the end of the semester or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yes. Yes, she was. So I kind of feel like that goes back to like the gen- like the cultural not curse, but like, that's our norm as, as black women, we suck it up, buttercup. We power through, we, we, ha- we have too much on our plate, but then we clear our plate and then put more on that plate. And it's been, like you said, it's been normalized mm-hmm. and that creates trauma. And, and we don't realize that because we were, we were indoctrinated. We were bred with, this is how it's done. Right. Being raised in a single parent, single mother home, like we both were, that was the norm. They weren't teaching us how to be single mothers. It was just something that we observed and kind of, you know, personified when we got older. Yeah, not kind of, absolutely did. Yeah. Right. Pedal to the metal, get it done. And so when feelings of, you know, failing, being inadequate, begin to rudiment, I don't know if that's a word, (laughs) begin to be very pervasive in the thought process was um, slightly after college. And, you know, again, the theme of this is life, you need to suck that shit up and you need to Right. But this time seeking a therapist who took the time Mm -hmm. to begin to explain to me, like, sis, this ain't this is normal, but it's not healthy. So you have to create a new normal. That's good. That I like how you said that. This is normal, but it's that was deep. Because us as black and brown people accept a lot of abnormal shit as normal because right. it's intergenerational. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And so that therapist summarized that for me, mm-hmm. but I didn't continue therapy because I was scared. Well, what do you mean by telling me that my whole life <laughs> is not healthy? I'm out here doing the damn thing. Right. So I was maybe, I want to say maybe 25, 26, right? And I was going and it was good. And then when we got to that little tidbit and had some homework surrounding that tidbit, I was like, oh, hell no. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. no. Because it sounds like you're telling me to scratch some things and start over. You know how I had to claw people's eyes out and my own to get here? Get here. Here. I was there. Wait, everybody. Where everybody said I needed to be. to be. Hello. Period. Hello. That's no, the I'm cool. I'm cool. So I, I I stopped therapy after maybe about maybe about four or five months. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's the second time I can remember. Um, 
And even in that, again, you know, hindsight is 2020. That therapist was actually trying to get me to recognize my anxiety way back then. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I was like, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. Right. I'm out. So then the symptoms begin to manifest in ways that, you know, stop you in your tracks and become quite debilitating. Um, And you have to recalibrate and you get so far gone that you cannot recalibrate by yourself. Right. Or when you try to recalibrate, you don't have all of the tools and knowledge to do it properly or even at all. So you're out there trying to recalibrate. And uh, Nay and I have said in, in past podcast series um, or episodes that due to the pandemic, we have we didn't see each other all last year. And we typically see each other at least once a year because we need that time together to recharge to get that that iron sharpens iron kind of thing, but also just to laugh and giggle and just be in the presence of, because as human beings, we feed off of each other's energy, good mm-hmm. and different. And so when you don't have that, it's hard to recharge. Like that's one of that's one of my positive recharge, recharge yeah. is being able to be with my homegirls and recharge. Or um, and some stuff, some stuff that I do to recharge isn't isn't healthy. Like sitting all day long is not healthy, but that's what I need to recharge sometimes because we go balls to the wall 24 seven. Some days I just crash two, three days, but realize was actually part of my depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those are things too. Like it's normal to be tired when you're going balls to the wall 24 seven. It's not normal to be out of sort, like just be dead to the world awake in your bed for three days. Right. Not normal. Right. So when did, when do you think those symptoms first started and did you tap back into therapy to kind of put a label on it? And I think, you know, for us, we're so blessed because we are in a field (laughs) where, you know, we know we work with colleagues and we have family members and we're in the field and it's kind of like, uh, ma'am, Hold on. Yeah. I know what this right. is. I know what this is. I haven't read the DSM-4 a couple times. I, <laughs> I was looking for it. Where is it at? I right. know this right. one. Page 37. I yeah. know what this is. <laughs> um, the first time that I uh, realized that I was depressed, we were going through a depressive state, was when I moved in with my ex-husband, at the time, my son's father. And... He became abusive and I want to say this the right way because I don't want to excuse his actions, but I also feel like I, I pushed, I pushed, I demeaned him. I went for his manhood. Pause. I'm sorry. I can't, as your ride or die, I can't let you say this. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. But this, this, no, don't. this is my... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not downplaying what but you are. I'm not because, and this is the thing. There's some women out there who did everything they were supposed to do and, and they still got beat or whatever. I was raised by a strong black woman. And I remember her always saying, I wish a nigga would put his hands on me. And I hit that nigga upside the head with the iron. And I told her, I wish you would come for me. Not knowing the whole story, not knowing where all the background was. So as I got older, that was a norm for me. My grandmother did the same thing. She would come at my grandfather, hit him mm-hmm. with a cast iron skillet. And so that's what I, that's what I, if you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'm calling your ass out. And that's what I did. Was he doing his part? He wasn't. But I was coming for him every day that he wasn't. But let me ask you this. Did you put your hands on him? No, not at that time. Okay. Well then. Yeah. And I'm not, it's like I said, I'm not excusing it, but what I'm saying is you don't poke a bear and be like, Oh no, the bear bit me. I poked the bear. I poked the bear. And that is absolutely no reason for any man to put his hands on a woman in, except for in a loving way. And, but at that time I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the ins and outs of it, 
this is what I learned. Not what I was taught, but what I learned is that he's supposed to be doing this. He's not, then he's not a man. And I told him that all the time. And so when he started putting his hands on me, I, I um, receded into myself to the person I did not recognize because I've always been that strong. But I was the fighter. You couldn't say nothing to me or my, or my besties without my, I'm, nigga, I'm coming for you. I pulled up at their, at their high school, ready to fight a dude. We're not doing this. So, so yeah, that's that. And as you're saying this, he also knew all this. This is who you were. Right. So it shouldn't have been a shock. And it was popped off at home. Right, right, right. Because you popped off everywhere else. Yes. All the time. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere at church. At church. church. <laughs> and but, our dumb asses are right there next to you, like, what? Who? What? They knew. Oh, uh. Uh-uh. Right. We run this youth group. <laughs> it's a youth group. It's not a gang. Oh, it's a gang. It's gang gang. It's, it's gang gang over here for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yes. So, you found yourself receding. Yeah. Isolating, withdrawing. Yes. Yes. And becoming someone that I did not recognize. And, but at the time, I did not see that. This was all in retrospect. And, I did not see counseling because I didn't want to be told that my decisions that led me there, like we moved in together. I got the apartment. We moved in together. We were cohabitating. I didn't want anybody to tell me that what I was doing because I was going balls to the walls. Like we were taught um, that I was doing something wrong or that there was something wrong with what I was doing or um, any of that. I didn't want, I didn't want to hear it. And that's always been my motivation is like I try to do things so that I don't have to hear nobody's mouth about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I try to be impeccable with what I do. So for that, which is so, does that make it harder to go to therapy, or it did? Uh huh. It did. Now, um, <laughs> in all honesty, um, I did go to counseling just maybe about a year. Um, our school district provides eight free sessions and I went for my eight free sessions and it was really good. I found an African-American woman. Um, and she, she showed me a couple of different things, like taught me how to say no, that was for my mental health. That was for my physical health. Cause I was always ready to help somebody. And I was always on the go and, and felt guilty when I said no, she taught me that it was okay to say no, that it's healthy to say no. But then when she was like, oh, your eight free sessions, your eight free sessions are up and it's going to be $190 for us to continue a session. That's real. And I think that that's another reason why our community. Right, right, right. Like, let, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Let's circle back to that. Yeah. So how did you, when you came out of your marriage, you didn't necessarily parallel come out of your depression, did you? How did you begin to really identify as being depressed? Um, it was when we had gotten married and had Jasmine, our um, second child, and I was suffering from postpartum psychosis. Mm-hmm. It was a thing. I didn't know postpartum depression was a thing, but I was literally hallucinating after I had Jasmine. And having night terrors about harming her unintentionally, like she was a cake. And then I cut into her and she was a human babe. It was just like really weird stuff like that. And I thought it was, I legit thought it was just normal. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were living in this little cottage house. It was a house in the front and a house in the back. And my mom came over with her best friend mentor, Miss Brooks, rest in peace. And she said, you are in the darkness. And they prayed prolifically over me. They they laid out um, prostrate and prayed over me. And it wasn't until then that I realized I, I am in the darkness. I did not know what I was doing. I was just muddling through time. And I did seek counseling. It wasn't professional counseling. It was actually um, 
this lady who owned a daycare that my children went to, and she was also one of the elders in her church. And so we went to couples counseling with them mm-hmm. and um, for a couple of sessions. And then we just, it, it just fell off. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it was a journey. Cause even after that, and even getting medication, it was still, uh, it was really rough, still rough to get through mm-hmm. and being abused at the time. So it was a lot of stuff we had to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you feel like now with the different methods of access to care, basically, you know, because it sounds like you had some elders in the church, you had Mm -hmm. prayer, you had therapy, you had counseling. Do you feel like you accessed enough to get enough tools? At this point in my life, to date? Yeah. I don't think so because there's been, there's different stages of life. And while I may have been able to impact something from back then, there's still things that, um, I need to work on, um, and resolve from when I was, you know, a child, a teenager, early twenties, early thirties that I need to work on, or I need to look at or unpack and deal with, Mm um, I don't even know it's an issue until someone says, Hey, like you said, it's normal, but it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff that we, that I do normally that is not healthy. And I didn't know because it was just part of the grind. Right. It was just part of the climb. So, or it was just because I needed to make sure my kids didn't need or want for anything. Right. Right. So, yeah. And that balls to the walls is rooted, is rooted in control Mm -hmm. right and for me control has crossed over into rigidity like my babies I work with (laughs) not flexible (laughs) yeah I am not flexible brain (laughs) I I am more now in the last right and a half um but what happens is when things are not in your control or for us, we can't find solutions, which is also part of controlling, you spin the fuck out. And that could look like, in my case, eating, mm-hmm. okay? isolating, mm-hmm. shutting down. Not only that, but the rawness of your nerves, trying to come to conclusions that ma'am you was never going to solve this this is not in your repertoire to solve the way that your nerves get set up right and and looking back when I used to hear my mom say my nerves are bad my nerves are bad like that's just a saying I feel like I don't know if it is in in, in Caucasian communities okay but in the black and brown communities, you're on my nerves. My nerves are bad. You know what? Go sit down. Right, right. But it's literal nerves. And my mom also suffers from anxiety, right? But again, not realizing that until later. And if I was in a space that I was going to have children, that would be something that you have to make people aware of. I have to make your kids aware of your mental health challenges because some of this shit is genetic. Genetic. On top yeah. of the trauma from being black in America, being born black and brown, being reared in America. Because what happens is we have deficits and it, refl- it, it affects all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. Professional, personal, romantic, parental, sibling. Self. Wait, so, oh, most definitely starts with self, right? Yeah. Well, it might affect your relationship with your pet because you might need a service animal. <laughs> Told, okay? <laughs> and so looking back to symptoms of things that we think are normal, right? So I made control normal because I have so much shit to get done that in my system, it's going to get done like this. If you're giving me this, then this is how I'm going to do it. Right. Right. And it rocks your world 
when you come to the revelation. Hey, hey, freckles, that might be normal. Hey, Cocolicious. But it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And you are, in fact, exacerbating your anxiety symptoms because you are constantly thinking about this. And it's not even for you to be thinking about trying to solve. It's not your thing. Put it down. Don't touch it. (laughs) It's funny you said that, Janae, because I've been going through the last two years, I've been working on. And my mantra has been stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. I don't have to control everything before I had to, anything that was around me that was in my universe, I needed control of because it affects me. I, it's my universe. Mm-hmm. That's why I needed control. I don't want to have to point or try to figure out who was responsible for what happened to me because it's my universe. So in doing so, I started to veer out to other universes and try to fix why their orbit is off. Mm. My job is not to interfere. And that's what I would do. Thinking that I was doing, I was helping like, look, no one else is going to come shoot straight from the hip or say it straight up or get shit done. So, you know what? Let me help you. I'll make the call. I'll figure it out for you. I'll get the information for you. It's backfired almost 100% of the time. Mm. Not my business. Stay in your and not on top of that, I'm creating more stress on myself. Ma'am, your lane is already <laughs> your lane is full. Your lane is all the traffic on the freeway just in your lane. That's your lane. In my lane. So you have the nerve to be looking across the median to get more in your lane. <laughs> I'm over here. Let me help you. Ma'am, you're going nowhere fast. Fast. Okay. Yes. And really what we're saying to people is come, let me help you go into insanity land because that's where we dwell or where we dwell. That is my address. Yeah. Five, 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 co-razy town. (laughs) Co-razy town. (laughs) That's nine, five, two. Just say. (laughs) Right, right. And so then you, we come to those revelations and we grow, we learn new tools. Like you learn to stay in your lane. I've learned that I can't control all things, but the reimagining and the repurposing of shifting a lifetime of those habits mm-hmm. is a sum of a biscuit. Okay. <laughs> I had someone make me a visual and we're here on this. Visual schedules, you know, a, a prompt, a cue, and I have them everywhere in my room. So I had this. <laughs> he came in and he drew me a picture. He was joking, like he appreciated that I tried to help out in a situation. But we, the joke, the the thing now is, Nunnally, stay in your lane. This is at work. Stay in your lane. You can't fix that over there. That's not your business. It has nothing to do with us. You, your kids, nothing. Mm-hmm. but they need help. That's not for you to work on. Right. I didn't listen and I went and tried to help. And it, like I said, it backfired. It didn't backfire, but it, I was reminded, stay in your lane. Yeah. 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 And so he came in and he wrote, stay in your lane. And he, I said, I need you to draw me a lane and then draw me a picture. <laughs> and it's hanging right on my overhead projector. So when I look up from my laptop, Reminds me to stay in my lane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so then the struggle becomes, which is where I don't know if I am at right now, but that transition and that changing is the therapy that is appreciated right? Those tools. And I think that, you know, learning the coping skills earlier, we encourage everyone to really reflect earlier in life so that you have the coping skills sooner. So maybe you don't get into um, self-destructive behavior, more unhealthy habits and behavior. Um, But it's a journey and it's a journey to realize that Things that are normal amongst Black women, is un- it's so unhealthy. And, and 
you know, while we are balls to the walls, Olivia Pope's minus the affairs, it's not okay. So then you come to these revelations, you create healthier boundaries, you create healthier habits. What about the backlash when you learn how to set boundaries and you say no? What about the cussing out, the rejection, the cutting off that you get when you shift? Has that been your experience? My experience has been that people, your my inner circle handle the shift with a slight bump. Mm-hmm. I won't say that I was cut off. I had to cut some people off mm-hmm. because the dynamics of our relationship didn't understand boundaries. And there was no way that I could protect my mental health while also teaching them mm-hmm. this new thing that I acquired, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I do think that people um, felt a type of way just mm-hmm. by the conversation and reactions, mm-hmm. right? I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Well, I mean, why you not? Do? You usually do it. Yeah, that's true, but I'm not anymore. Right. And now I've gotten very good. Um, and I think it kind of has come, let me be fair. It has come at an inopportune time for others because I took 12 million things on my plate that I swore that I could handle and I can handle, but now I don't handle it beyond my capacity. Mm-hmm. So if I have to go home at 4.15 and get in my bed and not answer my phone and not unlock my door, then I'm going home and getting in my bed at 4.15. And one struggle that I'm having that I'm having in my house, I think, is that, and for those of you guys that don't know, just really quick, Coco and I both, um, my grandparents live with me. My grandfather has dementia. My grandparents are 83. My, no one else gets to dictate what my capacity is. Prime mm-hmm. example, we talked about sometimes when you get home, you need to debrief. You need mm-hmm. to just take a moment. I'm in a very emotionally and mentally challenging field. I am literally counseling, guiding parents and young children all day mm-hmm. long. I am assisting parents whose children have recent diagnoses. I am, right? I can't snap on the babies. Pop off on the babies. If I get stabbed in the hand, you know what I have to say? That's not okay. No, thank you. Okay. So when I hit the door, I cannot, I do not have the capacity to hear about all the things that happened while I was not at the house. And initially I felt really bad because it also becomes a personality thing. I've learned in the last two years, even more so confirmed, I am not a social person. I do not enjoy, nor have I ever, small talk. Okay. I do not need to hear about so-and-so's cousin that went and got into college and then, but then they got the wrong classes and now they're transferring. That literally is like nails on the chalkboard to me. And so (laughs) when I hit the door, I appear rude because I'm like, hey, hey y'all, boom to my room. Right. Right. And so explaining that, and setting those boundaries where before, and you know what else, Coco? We were younger 10 years ago. Okay, we had more energy. Yeah. So explaining that I can't even for entertain, like for purposes that you need, I can't even fluff my way. I can't fake my way through it after a 12-hour day. And I think it's important. It's it's I like that you said that. Is we as we get older 
And we don't, we don't think about that. We don't look at that. We don't um, accept that. As we get older, we get tired because not just because we've been going balls to the wall since we were 12 or yeah. however yeah. old, but we are going through a physical change. It's a, and I, I always talk about life in stages, but like but literally that's what it is. We are in our forties. There's a flux of hormones or a decrease of hormones. There's a peak in sex in sexual drive, or there's a drop in sexual drive. And then your hair is falling down and it's turning gray and you, you get hair. The, there's just a whole bunch of other stuff. As you continue to go balls to the wall to build this kingdom, queendom that you were like a piece of the American pie. If you do this, you too can have a piece of the American pie. I'm good. I don't like cherry pie. So. <laughs> and then teach us that it's okay not to like cherry pie. It is okay to come home and be like, not right now. Give me 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Not right now. I No, I can't get up and do this for you right now because I'm all the way home and that was on my way home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not being considerate of me. I didn't learn that till like literally the last two years. Oh my gosh. And the, you and I, and the, could you stop by the store? And my gram, I love her with my whole heart and soul. And I think she finally got it. Cause I probably haven't been asked to go to the store in a good <laughs> month. It's just right. Just stop real quick on your. So again, after work, there's going to be 50 million people in there. I just said, I don't, I'm not, I don't like people. I don't, I didn't say that, but I'm saying it now. I don't like, I can't. It, my anxiety, the way it's set up is that it seems like a little thing to you, but it's not because I can't go in there and cuss people out because I might get arrested. Then what's going to happen in my career and with my family? Who's no, going to no. take care of you if I get arrested? Not even that. Who's bringing you the milk? Right <laughs> Who's bringing you the milk? You don't want to talk about that? I'm in the slammer and it's in evidence now. In evidence. Going spoiled. You spent $4.59 on this half a gallon of milk because you needed milk so bad on the way home. And I didn't, I didn't shake Wait, it. Wait, it to make something for the weekend. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Exactly that. Exactly that. And so helping people, you know, and the closest people closest to me, I'm able to articulate like, you know, my sib babies, they get it. Right. And they know that if I call and I'm like, look, it's not even a question because they know if I call because I never used to call. I never used to say, guess what? I don't got it. Right. Right. Never. Right. And so now it's what can we do right which is beautiful it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing i raised them right <laughs> right right yeah raised them with them learn with me to learn with exactly me. exactly um and even my mother you know she is very much like okay let me see if i can carve out time and i can come down now that's a whole different story she wants to come down and kiki but you know <laughs> effort e for effort Um, and so also explaining to people why your brain is set up that way, because, you know, our families don't understand, especially the older generations, as you said in the beginning, the mental health component. I can't just, Coco can't just get up if she's in a depressive state. It doesn't work that way. I can't just. Just let me tell you the first time that RC acknowledged my anxiety. I thought he was going to hit you with the just like, don't do that. No, 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 no. So I needed to get shy some shoes and we were at an outlet. And so I was like, oh my gosh, let me just, we were passing out. We were near an outlet. And I was like, let us run into this outlet. And so, so I can get her shoes. And so the first thing we're in the store and I'm like, I can't, I know these shoes were here. I can't find them anywhere. Like it's very specific. I just looked them up. And so I'm getting like 
and it's the weekend. I don't do malls on the weekend. Okay. Shy, this is how you know I love you. <laughs> so then it comes, I realize I'm in Skechers instead of Vans. That's why I can't find the shoes. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So then he says, well, let's just, it's just right over here. Now, you know how the great mall is in Milpitas. Okay. Oh, oh. We're in an outlet mall like that. Right. So we're walking and getting bumped and there's children screaming and then we're walking more, we're walking more. And I'm literally like gripping his hand tighter. And he's like, why are you gripping my hand so tight? I was like, it's just, there's a, and my thing is there's just a lot going on in here. Like that's my thing. I've I've realized that when I make that statement, my nerves are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot going on in here. And so we're walking, we're walking. We finally get to the store, girl. There's a line to get in the store because it's some kind of mega sale. So it's like, um, it's like on video games where your health is depleting. They have the little health bar. <laughs> How many hearts do you have? Left? <laughs> exactly. And every time like something goes out of what I wasn't expecting and like, my bar is, is, is diminishing. (laughs) So we go in the store and I can't, it's a zoo. I can't even focus to. And so then I like start rubbing my eyes and I'm like pausing and I'm looking around. He's like, what is going on? I was like, it's too much going on in here. He was like, you want me to look for the shoes? I was like, yes. So then he couldn't find, like he couldn't find the shoes. Long story short, he turned around and I guess my face, like all the color had drained out of my face. I was wringing my, my clothes. He was like, do you want to go? I was like, yes. And like, we made a beeline and the whole walk back, he just kept looking at me. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, I try to tell you like, this is not a big deal for you. It's a big deal for me. And I just almost had a panic attack. Right. So trying to get your inner circle to have not only the understanding, but the empathy, right? That this is not in my capacity because of this, right? It's also not, it's, it seems abstract because they don't have, they don't go through it or that, that particular thing doesn't get their nerves raw or send them to a panic state. But I'm telling you right now, it's coming. And I didn't realize that until Jazz was dealing with it. Like, Mm -hmm. I know my depression. I know what it looks like. And I know it's a, it's usually a cycle and it's gotten better over the last couple of months. But when she articulated to me why she wasn't cleaning her, doing the regular stuff that we normally have to clean your room, mm-hmm. brush your teeth, take a shower, make up your bed, eat breakfast, those little things. She said, there are, there are days where I just can't. And when she said it like that, I was like, I know those days say no more. I got it. Yeah. But then there's a conflict of, am I, am I putting enough? I feel like I'm not doing my full job because she's not doing the X, Y, and Z that we were all taught to do. Keep your room clean, clean the bathroom, you know, brush your teeth, wash your face, the normal stuff. Even when we were going through those hard times, we couldn't go through those hard times because our parents are like, we got stuff to do. We got to be at church at nine o'clock. It's 845. Brush your teeth, wash your face. Let's go. Yeah. Can't, and I can't do that with her. I can't treat Jasmine the same way that my mom treated me, even though I was going through the same kind of anxiety and panic attacks. And so. But you have learned the tools. So I think you do a healthy balance of, okay, I'm going to give you some grace. Okay. I need you to try this today because it's also the battle of she's still young, right? right? She's still young and just coming to these revelations. So it's still like, I'm going to give you grace and then I'm going to coach you and help you through this part because you still have to be a functioning adult in the world. Yes. And yes. we might baby, we might crawl there. It's baby, right. Steady, right. Tiny baby steps, but we're gonna take them. And I, I commend you for that because you recognize that, and because you chose to use different tools. You yes. got different tools, and you're yes. using right new, healthy, normal tools. Y- yes, 
Yes. Yeah. Right. Therapy is now a part of life. Right. In our world. Right. right. So jazzy, shy, like, oh, you know, hey, let's call your therapist. Hey, let's yeah. what your therapist say about this. Right. right? Um, hey, let me call my therapist. Let me see what my therapist says about this because listen, 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 Linda. Um, and so with that, that's part of breaking those generational curses and yeah. changing the stigma around mental health and what it looks like, right? Because I think also in our in our culture and society and in our families. Mental health equates like crazy. No, it's not all talking to yourself bipolar on the street, homeless without <laughs> like no. Right. Is me sitting right here thinking for three hours how to solve this one problem. That wasn't mine to solve in the first place. Nigga. <laughs> and now I've spent myself and I have nothing left to do what I really am supposed to do because I focus so much as on this problem, right? Like this week, you know, which is why I look like this people on Zoom. If you're emotionally spent, right? We had a whole, last weekend was a whole weekend of situations. And so I felt myself this week, like gradually devolving just every day a little bit more, right? So I had to call the therapist and be like, hey, check this out. I recognize what I'm doing. One, I haven't been here in a long time. I just need to talk out the tools that I know I'm supposed to be accessing so that I don't continue. So that's key now. Being more mature, being aware, having some tools is also recognizing if you need a refresher. Right. And that you access them and implement them because some of us, not gonna mention no names, Nene. <laughs> yeah, I know what to do. I just ain't finna do it right now. And then you look up and three months have passed and you gained 12 pounds, you haven't done laundry. <laughs> and you're wondering why you're snapping at everybody and you're popping off at everyone. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, a level of maturity, right? And recognizing. And I feel like because of therapy, past therapy, you also recognize it sooner, the trigger. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can address them sooner. But it's also easier for me. It's easier to readdress them. It's never like anymore that that apprehension of like, oh, my God, I got to start therapy again. It's like, right. nope, let me get into it. Right. Let me get into it because this right now, ain't this is feeling old and I'm in the new, new. Right, right. It's kind of like, I always like to um, relate things to something that's concrete or that is familiar with us. So like going to therapy initially is like, oh, snap. Home Depot does this, 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 and this, right? So I can fix my bathroom or I can fix my toilet or I can fix that drain or I can paint my house. Then you're like, okay, I'm done. Ooh, things are looking kind of dull or my thermostat is out or it's really hot in here or something. You go back to Home Depot for the tools that you need to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Your problem. I can't fix my neighbor's problem. Mm-hmm. That's theirs. They can come ask you for help, but me going over there to add more stress to myself, that's not necessary. Or... um. Or it might be something that we don't need to do. Maybe we need to maintain, not something new we need to maintain. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that that's something that we don't, as a people, really understand about therapy. I think therapy counseling is a new sensation, not really, but because of social media and things like that, like it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Where was this when I was in high school? Where was well, it? And the damn and the pandemic, yes. right? The pandemic, as we call it in our circle, <laughs> just exploded some exposures and some things. So some people didn't have nary a damn choice because, and we've been saying this, this is part of why we launched the podcast, is that you had to sit with yourself 
You didn't have a choice. I feel like if you didn't for a year and a half, you was working really hard not to. The world literally shut down in most places. So you had to sit with yourself. And then as Coco mentioned, being restricted, the things that may distract or keep you busy or you're used to stepping into were removed. It was like um, the blinders were taking off for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And so, yes, counseling, even via telehealth and phone, became the norm because Essential. of yeah. a global shift. Right. Right. Um, Yes, but you're right. It's newer and not only new, but more acceptable, right? Right. It's not like clutch the pearls when someone says, oh, well, me and my therapist, or I was in therapy last week. It's not like shocking. What? You did. You're telling your business? You're crazy? You crazy? As a loon. As a loon. Why are loons got to be crazy birds? Okay. Okay. So you're right. It's more, um, it's more readily accessible. It's more discussed because there's more exposure to it. Um, And then the last thing I want to talk about is something you brought up earlier. Well, I guess it's twofold, two things. One, please understand that therapy, you have to, what I call date your therapist. Okay. And what I mean by that, nothing unsorted, nothing romantic, (laughs) but to make a good match, it might take a couple of sessions And you'll know, you'll know if you feel comfortable with their style. Um, You know, there's varying kinds of therapy. You might do some um, psychotherapy. You might get into CBT. You know, there's results, results oriented therapy. There's holistic and mindfulness. So you really want to think about what it is that you want and need and then begin to vet therapists. And also learn the difference as a sidebar, learn the difference between an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker, a social worker, a marriage and family therapist, a psychologist versus a psychiatrist. Um, those are important too. The last so, one can make can write drugs for you. Yeah, the last one is one of our favorites. So <laughs> if you need it, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and so finding the match, right? For us, it was important that we had Black, culturally aware therapists, psychologists, okay? Because for us, and Coco, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you got to know what it's, you got to know the struggle for real. This is not a struggle that you can externally empathize with. You have to understand what it's like to be a Black woman. Yeah. And what the role of our position is, not only in our families, but in this country, in this world, right? And I think it's a it's a matter of um, the importance of distinguishing between, between this is normal, but it's not healthy. That's the thing. And I think that's where the, the cultural connection comes from. Um, knowing that that's something that we as a people, we as a, uh, a gender people, black, you know, brown females, it's a different ball game mm-hmm. would be for someone who hasn't had to struggle or push or um, survive. Right. survived. It's totally different. So yeah, you, a, someone who's outside of your culture and typically a, a white psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, could give me some tools and strategies, but is it on a level where I'm going to be able to receive it and be able to apply it to my black ass? (laughs) Let's be honest. And it's not even about how they talk to you. It's about that understanding of, I see you, sis, and I see you're tired, and you're tired because you don't know how to say no. Oh, but it can be how they talk. It can be. Let's talk about the counselor who wanted to get into, well, your assertion could be mistaken for aggression. Okay. Honey, when I say I collected my belongings. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. That'll be all. So, yes, it does have to do with, right? Because 
we are human and that field works really hard to check their biases at the door. Right. But we can't check our, we can't always check our experiences. And if you have not had an experience as a white woman with black women, then it's not impossible for me. It's going to create a dynamic that is not going to be good. You, You are not going to be able to help me develop tools to increase and sustain my positive mental health to the level that I desire, especially when I come in session talking about white women stressing me the fuck out and it affects my, my mental health. But that's a whole nother topic series. It's not, it's a whole nother topic within this series. Tune in next week. (laughs) Next week. Tune in next week. Um, and then the last thing, Coley, is the access to care, right? Mm-hmm. So we have spent tons of dollars on therapy, <laughs> tons and tons of dollars on therapy. And this is a problem here in this country because we're pushing mental health matters. And yet, insurance, depending on insurance, some insurances only pay for this kind. I remember when we were looking for a therapist for my sister, it was all about, they mostly had social workers or licensed clinical social workers. And we Mm. tried a few and that just was not it. I'm sorry. For her. Meanwhile, it could work for someone else. Right. Right. Um, And then you get into hourly rates. It is expensive. It is expensive, but listen, in our case, bail is more expensive and so is inpatient psychiatric care. So when it comes to mental health, you have to decide, yeah, so I have to give up coffee bean for, you know, a few weeks, Right. my coffee at home. Um, You have to decide what is valuable and what is important. And because mental health affects all of the dynamics of every relationship, just be considerate of those things when you're deciding, when you're deciding. And also understand that, um, especially as brown and brown and black people, you are worth it. We deserve therapy. Mm. Yes. And it's okay. It's not a shameful thing. Just like we deserve dental health, just like we deserve um, gyneco- gynecological health services. We deserve mental health services. And so like, like Nay said, if you have to give up something in order for you to um, access that or even speak to the provider and see if they can put you on a payment plan, there's ways around things. And we're good for payment plans for show for show. Put my therapy on lay away. No way. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so yeah, because it it's, it is, <laughs> it's so expensive to pay for that inpatient, but it's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. And so, yeah, there's some things that I had to do without in order to put my child, both of them into some kind of facility or try to get them into a facility and then pay for maintaining outpatient care. Okay. Pause real quick, May. So, yeah, so just to wrap up, as Coco was saying, you know, if you can invest the time, um, invest the money, if you don't have the money, research resources that may be available at low to no cost. Um, But I would be on board. Here we go. I'm not going to start it, but I would be on board with. (laughs) you know, being a part of anything that is advocating to get mental health services for people who um, are financially disadvantaged. Um, We are very blessed. We're very fortunate that in our careers and with our support, we're able to um, attend therapy consistently. So we are still excited. We realize that this is more of a heavy issue. But this mental health series that Dylan and Helen is going to take you through, we hope will enlighten you. You can relate. Maybe you'll learn some things. Maybe you'll teach us some things. 
um, we are going to have on um, Black women to discuss mental health, their journeys, Black men to discuss their journeys. Um, We are going to have on a a psychologist and a self-care advocate and a life coach. So we're very excited for season two and hope that you guys will be on this journey with us. Please check us out on our YouTube page, Dylan and Healing, as well as our Patreon account, Dylan and Healing, and email us if you would like to be on the show or email us any audience questions at Dylan and Healing at Gmail. That's D-E-A-L-N. H-E-A-L-N at gmail.com. Also, peep game, we forgot to mention our bonus content though, Coco. Lean in y'all real quick. Our bonus content though for this episode, please go and check out why we would like to be nominated (laughs) to have our disorder included in the DSM-6 whenever it comes out, okay? In our bonus content, we're talking about attention whore syndrome. Check it out. Y'all not ready? And not even ready? Buckle up, buttercup. Not even a little bit. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Peace.